Muy buenos días. Aquí han venido al refugio para el mensaje bíblico. All right, so welcome to refuge. Um, that's that's apparently what we were doing yesterday at Cambridge Gardens, right? Who, who's doing? Yeah, right. Yeah, we were we had a Bible study at Cambridge Gardens, and um, so we get to share the word there. Um, just an outreach to our community and serving them. And uh, so it was, it was, it's just been a wonderful thing that the Lord is doing, not only there amongst the residents of Cambridge Gardens, but also through his people, through you, who participate in that outreach there in, at Cambridge Gardens, here in Riverside in, in, uh, locally. But, uh, you know, we have a study in English and also in Spanish. This morning we will just do a study in English. No Spanish. No, all, everything except for that one part, and that was it. So welcome to Refuge. Um, we're here to sit at the Lord's feet and glean from Him. You know, we need to listen to what He has to say to His church, and, uh, and, and I hope that you come ready to receive and, um, and really apply, learn to, to apply that which the Lord has for us, that He may be glorified in our lives. So this morning... We continue our study through the Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossians. Um, and so we are in Colossians chapter 3. We're covering verses uh, 18 through the first verse in chapter 4. So the first part of this letter, as I explained last week, uh, was was uh, doctrinal. It was a theological foundation upon which the practical side is to be built on. To understand why it is that we do what we do in the manner in which we do it. Uh, I think for the Christian that's of utmost importance for us to stand on solid ground when we live our lives. That we don't live it on opinions, on um, the, the, um, the wisdom of the world, uh, we, we, we just don't. We stand and we live and we glorify the Lord with full knowledge and understanding of his word in sound doctrine. And so the, the title of this morning's message is Order in the Christian Home. Uh, pretty basic, and, and I hope that you understand that order in the Christian home is exactly the manner in which the Lord has laid out for us to live our lives uh, within the context of marriage, within the context of familial relationships, that is, between parents and children, children and parents, and also outside of the home, between employers and employees. And so we're going to take a look at all of that, and that's order in the Christian home. So let's begin by reading, again, in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 18. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, 
knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Heavenly Father, we want to commit this time into your hands, Lord, asking once more for your blessing, your anointing, that your Holy Spirit would give us understanding of what we have before us. Lord, may we have reverence toward your word. May we honor your presence. May we seek and desire to understand what you are going to explain and help us through to practically live this faith of ours that we declare to the world in a manner in which is fitting for us and glorifying to you. And so, Lord, bless our time together. We commit it into your hands, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, uh, the Bible is addressing order in the Christian home. Order in the Christian home. So it's a very practical application of the truth of God's word. What this means is that there are biblical standards that govern the manner in which a Christian household is to conduct itself and each member within it. And this standard extends, as we will learn, outside of the home and into the workplace. It it should touch every area of life, not just within the home, but outside the home as well. There are some words that we will perhaps learn what they mean, at least uh, with a deeper understanding. Words like submit, words like love and obey, and also what it means to provoke, what it means to do things in a justly manner, in a, a fairly way, and how it is that they fit into the order in which God commands and yet desires that we do this voluntarily, willingly, exercising our free will to apply these things to our lives to His glory. As we demonstrate that ultimately we are giving preference to the Lord in our lives in response to the love that He has demonstrated to us. In every area, in marriage, with our kids, in kids, with our parents, and in our workplace. Last week, we covered the basic biblical principle of putting off and putting on. Uh, for those of you who weren't here, I know that uh, you know you, you can catch up. It's always recorded. It's on Facebook or it's on podcast or you know you can pick it up and 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 keep up with the teachings through this letter to the Colossians. And so we know from last week that we learned about this basic principle of putting off that which is sinful, that which is unbecoming of a Christian. And instead of putting on or being clothed with that which is deemed and defined as righteousness before a holy and righteous God, that which is fitting for a Christian. So we learned about all of that. And leading into this, as we stop doing what is wrong and start doing what is right, 
in verse 17 says, In whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so this morning we will deal practically with the manner in which we are to conduct ourselves as Christians in everyday life. If you stick around long enough as we go through the word, line by line, chapter by chapter, book by book, we will cover er every area of life. Every area of life. I know sometimes there are churches that give topical sermons. You know, it's just uh, by topics. Uh, depends on what's going on in the world too. But let me tell you that it's, it's, it's interesting how it is that if you just give the whole counsel of God, you'll touch on every area, every single area that pertains to life and godliness. At least that's what the word tells me. And it tells us. Here's what should govern how we speak and act within and outside the home. This is what we have before us in the name of the Lord, expressing our thanks to God the Father by honoring the word of God with a willing obedience toward him. So let's start out with wives, shall we, men? <laughs> well, at least that's the order of scripture here. So we'll start out with you. But hey, listen, the men are next. All right. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So the command that we have here is for wives uh, to submit in love. Uh, let's begin with the wives. The command for a wife is to submit to her husband. Now we need to understand exactly what this means. And what I hope this morning to do is to make it abundantly clear exactly what this means. You see, oftentimes it's taken out of context. We don't have a full understanding or we simply don't want to understand it. We want to know what it means and what it does not mean, don't we? We want to know. Why? Because are we all here with a desire to gain more understanding that we would know how to glorify our Lord a little bit more? Okay, then we're in the right place. Let's start out with this. This is a command, not a suggestion. We can start out there, right? And then we can, are we all in agreement? Are we all in agreement? Yes. Amen? All right. <laughs> come on, come on now. <clears throat> So it's not negotiable. But it definitely has to be understood in order to be applied in the right biblical manner. Otherwise, it can be abused or misapplied either by the husband or the wife. Either one can do the abusing of this command right here. The word submit is a word that means to subject or subordinate. And it appears 38 times in the, New, in the New Testament, 23 times in the Pauline epistles, and only one time in this letter to the Colossians. One time in this letter, and it appears right here. There are subtle and yet significant differences in the manner in which the word is used. Uh, it depends if it's in the active voice or in the middle. And I'll explain that to you. 
Because, for instance, in the act of voice, it means that the power to subject belongs to God. Uh, He will subject all things unto himself. Uh, He is the one whom subjects all to himself. But the middle voice describes a voluntary submission. Uh, Submission in humility. Church members to one another. Christ to God the Father and wives to husband. And it's applied in this manner. And that's what this word is. It's a voluntary submission. It's not something that uh, men, you you don't subject your wives to to yourself. It's, It's in the middle voice. For them, they are to submit willingly, voluntarily, with desire to honor and glorify the Lord. This word does not mean servitude or slavery, nor does it mean that a husband is to make his wife submit. If he does, then be reassured. Your wife's heart will not be in it. It'll be like that little girl. You've heard the story. I've I've said it several times. That's in the back seat. Dad's in the front seat. And, of course, she's at the moment strapped in. And she's good. And as he's going down the road, they're going down the road. He sees in the rearview mirror how it is that his daughter is standing up in the back seat. Oh, yeah. And of course, a good dad would say, honey, sit down, put your seatbelt on. And he did, right? So he does, and, and she remains standing up. One more time, sit down, buckle up. Refuses to. And, and finally, he says, if you don't sit down and buckle up, I'm going to pull over. And she doesn't, of course. And as he's pulling over, oh, you see her head disappear. Go down. And you hear the click of the seatbelt. And it's silent, silent in the car. And pretty soon you hear a little voice from the back. I I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. It's a reluctant spirit, right? And if, if we do that with our wives, men, brothers, what, what happens is that they'll be doing it on the outside, but inside they're resentful, they're bitter. Uh, they, they have this, just this, this feeling that, that isn't good. So that's why, sisters, you have to come to the understanding that this is exactly what the Lord desires for you to do willingly, willingly. Out of a willing spirit. This word is actually a military term that is used to describe a person who is under rank. Or under the authority of another due to rank. How many of you have served in the military? A few. Okay, so you understand that. You you understand rank and file. You know, uh, uh, in enlisted terms, uh, an E5 has rank and authority over an E4, an E3, an E2, an E1. Uh, an O anything is has rank over, unfortunately, um, even an E10, right? If, if you get military men and women know exactly what I'm talking about. In, in other words, what I'm saying, an O is an officer. An officer is a commissioned officer. In a, and, and what I'm saying is that we even respect one who comes in. In the Navy, we, uh, they're termed as ensigns. 
which is an O1, a newbie, new into the military. And it doesn't matter if you're a master chief, um, master diver, and you have an ensign coming in, he has rank over you, and you respect that. Most of them do. No, but they do. You understand rank and file. That, this is the word that is used here. When understood properly, this relationship takes on a new and significant meaning within the context of a marriage. What this does not mean. Doesn't mean the husband is smarter or dumber. Doesn't mean the husband deserves the role. It is his because of his title. In that, men, because of that, we have that responsibility and we will be held accountable for that. What this does mean, the wife submits because he is her husband. As simple as that. I, I just want to put it in simple terms. Right? Well, why should I submit to him? Because he's your husband. That's what the Lord says. That's what the word says. Because he, because he has that order. He set that order within the marriage. It's as simple as that. It's respecting and honoring and reverencing God's word above all else. And so the wives look at the husband and say, well, I honor and respect your authority, not because you deserve it, but because I am honoring and glorifying the Lord. What this does mean is this applies to your husband. Uh, this is not a general open statement for all women submitting to all men in all in any and all circumstances without question. Wives, you are to submit to your husband. It's, it's not a blanket statement for all men and all women. As is fitting in the Lord, this is something that's also been taken out of context quite a bit by both husband and wife. This does not mean that the husband is to be submitted, uh, uh, submitted to as if he were God. In other words, if men, if you expect your women to just, hey, listen, submit woman. Don't be asking any questions. Don't be sharing your thoughts. It's like, wow. That, that's, that's something else. But if our wives are submitting to the husband in that way, and then can I make something very clear? That's called idolatry. You're making your husband out to be God. And he's not. He's not. We, we, we are not. But this also does not mean that a wife is to determine when she wants to submit to her husband and when she doesn't want to submit to her husband, depending whether she determines if her husband is behaving in a way that the Lord wants him to. You know, I, I don't feel like you're actually following the Lord. And so it's for that reason that at this point, it, it's not, you're not acting as is fitting in the Lord. And so therefore, you know, it says here, husband, that we are to submit to you as is fitting in the Lord. And since you're not fitting in the Lord, well, I'm not fitting as subjecting myself to you because I don't feel like it. 
It's also abused in that way, and it should not be. We need to understand this, uh, how it is that the Lord has laid it out for us. Because this does not mean that the wife will submit to her husband only when she agrees with him. How often would that be? Right? When, when we fully agree with each other, oh, we're in just complete just harmony and we're just moving along. Are you guys okay? You guys have, how long, have you been married for more than one year? For those of you who have been married for one year or less, you're not in this poll. You're out of this poll because your marriages are perfect and you're still in the honeymoon stage and, and you can't do anything wrong, right? And so, son, sorry, you guys can't answer this. But for everyone else, you know what I'm talking about, right? You have, you have these discussions, sometimes passionate discussions. You know that we can call them, uh, other people call them uh, disagreements or arguments. Um, but you have these things. The thing is, is coming together, we're not robots. But the Lord calls us to be deliberate and conscientious about how it is that we interact together as husband and wife. As is fitting in the Lord, what this has to do with is honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I always ask in premarital counseling, why are you getting married? Why are you getting married? And the number one answer is, uh, because I just love him. And, and I love her. And we just, you know, he makes me feel so good. And, you know. No. That too. That should be. It really should. Right? It's like we, we make each other, we really love each other in that way. But here's the answer that we're looking for. We want to honor the Lord. That was it. We want to honor the Lord. If he's preeminent, if he's first in marriage, then everything will fall into place. Why? Because when, when these um, discussions come up, you will seek to honor and glorify the Lord above all else. And you will be more inclined to humble yourself and consider the other person more than yourself. That's what it means as is fitting in the Lord. There are times when a wife is not bound to honor this. Um, number one, when the husband is asking the wife to sin. Number two, if the husband commits adultery. Those are the two. Right? There are other variances, but those are the two as far as Scripture is concerned. Okay? Sin and adultery. Those two. Now, with that said, though, I have to say that what God prefers is reconciliation, restoration. And what I'm not saying there is that at that point, just seek divorce and that's it. It's over. Because I know that many a marriage has come together and been stronger and better off because the two have stuck it out and are seeking the Lord together. Because God, God hates divorce, but he loves reconciliation. He loves restoration. Oh, that brings glory to the Lord. And you know what that does to uh, devil, the devil's schemes? It completely puts them out. When two brothers in Christ have bought with each other, 
and they both come together and restore that glorifies the Lord and it ruins the devil's plans to destroy. That's what that does. And so, yeah, that's worthy of a clapping and amen because God, God prefers that. He prefers that we restore with each other. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22, starting there, says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the Lord church, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So that's another area of Scripture that we can look to for what we're talking about this morning. So husbands, though. In verse 19, says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So love your wives. And secondly, it's very simple, right? Love your wives. Don't be harsh with them. Love your wives. Don't be harsh with them. One more time. Because I know we, we have to hear it like over and over. And I know all of the wives are going to say, Amen. So love your wives and don't be harsh with them. Those, those two things, right? This was contrary, by the way, to how it was that husbands of that time would be allowed and expected to treat their wives or even relationships between fathers and their children, masters and their servants, or in our day, employers and employees. This is not just this um, conditional love. This is actual agape, sacrificial serving type of a love. It's a love that provides, protects, and considers the other person more than self. Agape love is not governed by feelings or emotions, but rather a strength and firmness in fulfilling a discerned, godly need of the other person. That's what that is. It is unchanging. It keeps no record of wrong. It is not a love that is expressed expecting something in return. It is not given when deserved, but in spite of whether it is or is not. And it's a love that continues to pursue even when ignored, rejected, or perhaps even despised. Agape love doesn't depend on whether you feel love for your wife. It depends on whether you love God more than your wife. And your actions are a response to your desire to express your love for him by loving your wife regardless of how she treats you. Oh, that goes far beyond. I mean, that, that verse right there, as simple as it is, is that. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. A lot of men will say, well, I'm willing to lay down my life for my wife. But are you demonstrating this type of love for her? This right here. Oh, it's so sad. In a marriage relationship that keeps tabs on wrongs. How awful it is. And see, you, you may be hearing, you're, you're saying, I, I'm not married. This doesn't even apply to me. Can I tell you that these relationships will teach us the relationship that is required of us and applicable to us between us and the Lord. That's what I'm saying. Pay attention, church. Please don't, don't think that at any moment this doesn't apply. I'm, I'm, 
I'm, a, I'm small, I'm young. How does this apply to me? It applies to you. Listen closely. You know, don't be dull of hearing. Don't come here, you know, wanting to be tickled in the ears. You know, I have an itch. I just want you to tickle. I, I, I want to hear what, you, uh, what I want you to tell me. And you need to come seeking understanding, asking the Lord to give you understanding. This agape love is not a responsive feeling. And I'm going to say it again. It depends on whether you love God more than your wife. When you're going into a marriage, I sure do hope that both love God more than each other. This type of love is sacrificial and it's self-denying. Number two. Don't be harsh with your wives. Even when you husbands believe that your wives are not deserving to be treated with agape love, you, number one, you don't understand agape love. Number two, you'll never be justified in denying her what God has commanded you to give her. You'll never be justified. You'll never be justified. There's there certain things I just, I, I have to repeat because we tend to be hard-headed. Uh, I mean, a, a Sister in Christ and I were just before the message talking about how much, uh, how stubborn we are. We're no different than uh, the children of Israel in the wilderness were. You know, stiff-necked. How quickly we forget what we look like as we walk away from the mirror. Oh, the reflection that God shows us as we look at his word and then we walk away and we forget. We, we need to be reminded often. And, and this says we're never justified, men. We're never justified in denying our wives the agape love that we've been commanded to give her. Because that is a display of Christ in the church. Don't ruin that picture. Agape love is especially significant when the recipient does not deserve it. Let me ask you something. When was, when was the last time you deserved the agape love that God gives you? No? Not here either. Because it's just like we don't deserve God's agape love, and yet He did and He does. So wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Secondly, children and fathers, this relationship here. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Oh, the relationship between the children and their parents. Now this command, verse 20, this is a command for children. It's very simple. Very simple. And yet, it seems like this word has to be taught in different ways, uh, different degrees of volume at times. And by both father and mother, it's this word. It, it, you ready? Just obey me, please. 
right? Obey. What does that mean? Comply with the command. Com- comply with the command. Comply with the direction that you're, you've been given. Trust me, kids, you'll be better off when you go and are employed by someone uh, that, that you learn this in the home because then you'll be better off when you go because you'll be able to do this and understand why when you go out into the real world. <laughs> All the parents. <laughs> comply with the command. Com- comply with direction. Comply with the request of a person. Uh, specifically, the parents. Carry out the command or instruction. Children are to do what they are instructed to do, when instructed to do so, and how they have been instructed to do so. It, it really, it, it's not hard. Again, going back to the military, okay, just, it, it was entertaining when there were those in boot camp that still didn't understand what this meant. I tell you, they provided great entertainment for everyone else because they were taught in, in such imaginative and wonderful ways how it is and why it is that they were to comply with the commands and directives that they were being given. It was great, except for when it came to you. Then you didn't like it so much. But it's basic, right? Just follow the commands, follow the directions that you've been given. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Right? So it's basic. Okay, number two. Who do we obey? Who are children to obey? Obey your parents. Uh, This is why parents are to be parents and consider the welfare of their children because parents have a great responsibility as their children, as as the children are commanded to obey their parents above all others. So, hey, listen, parents, this is a great responsibility. We will be held accountable. And what are they obeying? If they're commanded to obey their parents, you better understand what it is that you're giving them direction in and how you're giving them direction. If the children prefer another parent's way of doing things, or if their friends are allowed to do something, it does not mean that they can disobey their own parents and do that. Compare, right? Well, Jim's dad lets him do this. Why can't I, right? I remember doing that. Yeah, I mean, I was... I is dumb, right? It's like, what, what's, what's wrong? And then you, okay, you hear it now as a parent, and you're like, that's not how I sounded, right? Like, yeah, just like that. And just because someone else's parents allows them to do this or that doesn't mean that you can now disobey and be rebellious toward your parents. Number three, in everything, You can't pick and choose what you're obedient in. 
oh, just in certain things. No, 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 this demands focus. It demands attention. It demands also integrity. See, our children are learning. They're learning what this is, what discipline is, what following commands and direction, what it means, what it looks like. And you're responsible to give it. A child is to learn how to obey their fathers, their parents, above all, and in all manner of instruction and direction. And number four, this pleases the Lord. If a child learns this with a father in the home, he will understand the relationship he is to have with God as he gets older. You actually make it easier for your son or daughter to understand that relationship between God the Father and us, his children. We understand that. Uh, Proverbs 22 and 23. I'm just going to pick a, a few scriptures, uh, verses here. Proverbs 22, 6. You know this very well, right? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Um, verse 10 is a good one, too. Drive out a scoffer, and strife will go out, and quarreling and abuse will cease. Um, how about 23, verse 13? Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, guess what? And this, this is scripture. He will not die. Although he acts like he's dying, he will not die. He will not. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol, which is the grave from death. God disciplines those whom he loves. That's you and I. The, the rod, somehow there's this understanding that takes place. The connection is made in such a perfect and powerful way that when it is applied rightly, all of a sudden they gain understanding. It's like, oh, now I see what you're saying, Dad. Okay. Right? No, spare the rod, spoil the child. And, and, and listen, uh, don't withhold discipline from a child because if you strike him with the rod, he will not die. But he will gain a respect and honor for the things that are best in life. And that is learning how to take direction from the Lord himself. Again, Scripture says it. That's what we go to. Scripture. The child will learn to respect order and authority and obedience and how it blesses and honors the Lord when this order is observed. Um, so th this is a command for fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children. We need to understand how we can do this. We need to, we need to get this clear. Being too rough. It's just... It, it, it bugs me because... I think of, um, I grew up going to my uncle's ranch, and I remember the term breaking a horse. Do you, do you know, you guys heard that term, breaking a horse? And what it is, is getting, get, getting to the point to where you break the horse's spirit. Do we want to break our children in that way? No, we don't want to. Do not provoke your children. How can fathers do this being too rough? This is just plain harsh jarring, jarring the soul, the spirit of a child, uh, being severe or even cruel. That, that's what this is referring to. Uh, being too constricting. In other words, dominating, uh, constraining 
uh, controlling, suppressing all this. Being too demanding. In other words, expecting them to do more than they're able or skilled to do. Careful, they're five years old. What you expect sometimes of a five-year-old to do is just not, it's not fitting. He or she is five years old, right? Three years old, two years old. Let them be kids, but just consider the fact that they're kids. They're young. A 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, 13, a 15-year-old. A 15-year-old is not fit for running the household. Just know that. I'm reminded of that every day. I love my son. But he's not, and I don't expect him to. Fathers, don't expect your sons to do that. You still need to be dad. Being too demanding. Being unforgiving. Oh, I don't give a bit. Just unforgiving. It's called tough love, right? Not being willing to forgive shortcomings. It's an attitude of hostility. Oh, there's tension within the home because dad's always angry. He's always angry. It's hostile. It's creating a hostile environment. You know that in a place of employment, a hostile environment is actually something that is not good. Right? Have you ever heard that term? Well, it, it's, it, there's a hostile environment here. Not good. Why would it be good in the home? Not good. Being constantly angry, that is, um, being annoyed, uh, having displeasure, or being threatening constantly. If a father or mother is like this with their children, then you are in danger of provoking or leading them to react in a way that is strong and unwelcome. It incites feelings and actions of anger and resentment and bitterness and hardness of heart. Careful because children can be provoked to the point of being discouraged. And that's what the Lord is saying. Don't provoke them to the point of discouragement. This means that they they get to a point of being disheartened. They lose confidence, enthusiasm. They are demoralized. They feel like they're a letdown. They can't do anything right, right. So why try? They're downcast, dismayed. And you've just broken their spirit. Fathers, the Lord is saying, do not provoke your children, but lead them well and learn to discern how to teach and what to expect from them at the various stages and ages that they're in. Being gentle and firm, but loving and patient. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. May they see the character of God in you. I know we oftentimes blame the child's behavior, but who's the parent? Who's responsible for teaching and leading? Even a leader in the church is required to get this right. 1 Timothy 3, 4, and 5 says, He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Children, obey your parents. Fathers, do not provoke your children. So number one, husbands and wives. Number two, we saw children and father, fathers. Thirdly, employees and employers. 
verse 22. It says, Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Employees are to follow the instructions of the employers. Again, something very basic. Okay, masters and servants, as, as we apply it to today, it's employers and employees. That's the relationship. So what instructions are employees to follow? It says here all of them. Not just the ones you like or the ones you agree with or the ones you just simply choose to follow, but all of them. Motives matter is what we see here. Your work is not to please others or your boss to get a pat on the back. Like, well, wait a minute. You know, aren't we looking for some kind of affirmation, or shouldn't we take that as a response of perhaps that we're going in the right direction? You know, if they give it, they give it. If they don't, that's not what you're doing it for. Motives, oh, the motive is everything. Motive is everything. It's it's simply because you reverence the Lord and desire to please Him. That's it. So we don't do good works for the accolades, but when you do get them, you know that it glorifies the Lord. You, you know that what that forces you to do is to be humble. This guards you from entering into pride and arrogance, thinking too much of yourself. It's just, you know what? I'm just doing the best I can for the glory of God because I serve an audience of one. And if I'm recognized for that, all glory and honor to God and God alone. It, it's to His glory. Thank you, Lord, that you're giving me favor and that I'm simply, hopefully, oh, by your grace, reflecting that which ought to be reflected in my life as your child. I want to honor and glorify you. And when you do this out of a heart that is full of thankfulness, love and reverence for God, you know that your most treasured and prized reward does not come from any man, but from the Lord whom you are ultimately serving as you serve your earthly boss. You know it. My, my ultimate reward comes from him. He is my reward. And I want to honor him. And it says here, and be careful not to wrong or shortchange or steal from your employer. We can do that in so many different ways. So many different ways. If we're lazy, if we take, oh, just these small things, you know, that's stealing. You can steal time. You can steal by just being lazy and not doing your best. You can shortchange your employer by doing that. And that's even if your employer doesn't find out. God sees all and will require of you all that you wronged your employer with. Even in my work? Yeah, that's why I, I just go through scripture. This is what we have here. Yes, even there. All of these things matter to the Lord. God is no respecter of man. He applies this to all, impartially, everyone. And employers, treat your employees justly and fairly. Don't cheat your employees. Treat them well and with dignity and respect. Not like they're under you, but like they are part of a team serving in their respective roles. With honor and dignity. Employers, do this. That's what we ought to do. In other words, 
don't treat them like property or slaves or with disregard for them as people, as human beings with value that they have in the eyes of the Lord. Remember, you also, Christian boss, you have a master in heaven and he sees all and is just and fair with you. Can you imagine if he treated you the same way? That's what we ought to consider. Think about. Matthew seven twelve says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So number one, husbands and wives. Number two, we covered children and fathers. And thirdly, we covered employees and employers. Our perspective on all matters of life should be from the eyes of the Lord. And if we have that perspective, then we will live lives that are pleasing to the Lord as we honor Him with understanding. And that's what I desire for, for us as a church family to come together. We come in the morning and we're singing His praises and we're, we're preparing to come into this place of just sitting at His feet and gleaning from His truth. And hopefully... It'll translate into wisdom in our lives, rightly applied truth. And so as we go through this, I hope that perhaps as we leave this morning, we're better off than how we came in. We understand that these things apply in such a way that they're a reflection of the very relationship that the Lord desires with us. And it should be reflected in our marriages with our kids and at work and everywhere we go. And so I pray that by God's grace, we apply these things in our lives in practical ways. May the Holy Spirit lead us and show us how to do this and to God be the glory. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your instruction this morning according to your scripture. I pray, Lord, that we would consider the things that we've heard And look them up for ourselves, study them ourselves. That we may have a deeper understanding, a full understanding of of what we went over this morning. That as we do so, that we would not only know how to handle ourselves in these types of relationships, but also realize that by doing so, we will have a better relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would pour your spirit out upon us and that by your grace, we would live our lives knowing that everything that is needed to glorify you is provided by you. May we be humble before you. Thank you for loving us the way you do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.